Welcome to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, your weekly episodes for news and thoughts on movie, TV, music, and video games, not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Uh, Welcome. This is episode 378. This is April the 8th, 2023. And uh, yeah, this is it. This is uh, still April somehow. We're cruising through 2023. I mean, it's only been a week of April. I know, it's wild. We were on last week. I was thinking about it like, how is it already April? Don't worry. Soon we can dig uh, Justin Timberlake out. (laughs) Sure. Because it's going to be May. It's going to be May. Well, before we get there, though, we have a whole month to get through, and we have a podcast to present to you today. As you mentioned, all of those media things and more thoughts, news, whatever you're asking for. So thank you for joining us. Yes. And let's get right into it, starting with the music section. Mm-hmm. We start the music with the billboard, and start the billboard with the Hot 100. Yes. And your number one song is... Yeah, a new one this week. New. Like Crazy by Jimin. Yes, Jimin of BTS. BTS. Solo, uh, his first solo EP. Uh, This is the first single off of that. Mm -hmm. Number one this week. Congratulations. Congratulations, Jimin. At number two, Flowers by Miley Cyrus. At three, Last Night by Morgan Wallen. At four, Kill Bill by SZA. And rounding out your top five, Creepin' by Metro Boomin'. The weekend and Twenty One Savage. Yep. So uh, pretty much everything just uh, everything else just moved down a peg uh, to let Jimin in. Yep. And then everything will move back up a peg to let Jimin out. <laughs> As for your album chart, your Billboard Two Hundred, at number one, one thing at a time by Morgan Wallen. Yep. At two, Face EP by Jimin. Mm-hmm. Uh, just missing out on that double number one yep. slots. Just missing out. Uh, coming in at three, did you know that there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? Yes. That's by Lana Del Rey, <laughs> which we talked about. We talked about that last, uh, last two, weeks, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yep. Um, at number four, Getting Old <laughs> by Luke Combs. And rounding out your top five, SLS by SZA. Is Luke Combs getting old? No. <laughs> because he's the same age as us. Oh, No. You're young, Luke Combs. You're very young. Yes. Um, so, I actually did start listening to that album. Okay. Because I was trying to get ready for a stagecoach because he's going to be there. Yeah. And then I stopped halfway through. Oh, no. And I never went back because I Are forgot you I was listening that to Luke Combs stage. material is getting old. Yes. Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad we had that <laughs> discussion. <laughs> All right. So, those are your new releases. Yes, but if you don't like any of Wait, those songs... Your, t- never mind, that's your Billboard 200. But if you like any of those <laughs> These albums, are your new releases. These are your new releases. Got ahead of myself. Starting with Born to be Wild. Not that Born to be Wild. Okay, Born to be Wild by yeah. Anne Margaret. Mm-hmm. Multitudes by Feist. Yeah. Yes, that Feist. Feist. One, two, three, four. Big Picture, or... Big Picture by Theme Lily. Then? Uh, A River Running to Your Heart by Fruit Bats. Dot, dot, dot. So Unknown by Jesus Peace. Creatures of the Late Afternoon by Kid Koala. 
Henry Street by The Tallest Man on Earth. <laughs> Damn. And lastly, 72 Seasons by Metallica. <laughs> yes. A lot of seasons. That Metallica still putting out new music. Still going, still cruising. All right, so let's cruise on over then into the news section. The news? <laughs> yes, we're going to talk about some news. Yes, and we're going to start with the Recording Academy. Yeah. Because they've announced that they are teaming up with several United Nations human rights supported global initiatives in an effort to use music to promote social justice. Hey. The multifaceted campaign will engage major artists to use their talents and platform to galvanize support for United Nations human rights goals, including advocacy for LGBTQ plus rights, gender equality, women's empowerment, climate justice, and a broad range of other human rights issues. The right here, right now. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to sing it. Right here. That's what, I mean, <laughs> it, that's what it was me singing it. Kind of. Right here, right now, right here, right now. <laughs> The Right Here, Right Now (laughs) music initiative aims to combat the human rights crisis resulting from climate change. The first uh, activation is the Right Here, Right Now mini global climate concert series, (laughs) which will feature artists performing in small concert venues while raising awareness about climate issues such as floods, droughts, fires, tornadoes, hurricanes, tsunamis, food insecurities, clean water, ocean acidity, deforestation, (laughs) mental health, and more. Hosted by United Nations Human Rights and the Recording Academy, the mini global climate concert series will kick off next week on April 13th at the Boulder Theater in Colorado with uh, headliner Wesley Schultz of the Lumineers and powerhouse singer Yola. <laughs> the inaugural concert, which will be filmed by Citizen Pictures for a later broadcast, okay. in case you were wondering, <laughs> is being produced by AEG uh, Presents and supported by the University of Colorado Boulder. Makes sense. Right here, right now, Music is planning to host many global climate concerts in numerous cities on multiple continents it's a worldwide initiative cool yeah Yeah. why not let's let's uh team up for good causes i like that i like the vibe of it um hopefully that'll raise some money and hopefully uh people will enjoy it and hopefully there'll be good performances out of it it feels like they're doing the festival kind of idea for all of these um different uh social justice causes it's good it's cool i like that idea it's better than just sitting around and talking a big game it's like they're doing something uh potentially about it which is cool looking at you spotify (laughs) (laughs) indeed all right so let's get to our second story it's a follow-up yes follow Uh, a couple weeks ago we talked about how anita senior anita um new artist anita Recognized? <laughs> well, well, okay. Not necessarily a new, new artist, artist but, but she was Grammy nominated sure. best new artist. Anita. Yes. Uh-huh. That's a better way of putting it. Then, right? Grammy nominated best new artist. Anita. Uh, we talked about her and her um, feud. I was going to say disgruntled. Sure, sure. Yeah. Feud with Warner Music Group. Yes. Well, the two have come to an agreement to part ways. At long last. <laughs> yes. Quote after. 
11 years of successful partnership, <laughs> we've agreed to go our separate ways. Read a statement from the label and artist. Quote, Anita would like to thank the Warner Music team for all their support. Sure. And the Warner Music team. <laughs> wishes Anita all the best in the future. I bet they do. Close quote. Uh, the Brazilian pop star has been signed to the company for 11 years, but in recent months has expressed her displeasure with Warner Records and a desire to leave her contract. Yes. Uh, she took those issues to social media last month, which we had reported on, including uploading a series of posts on Instagram, where she posted in English, and Twitter, where she used Portuguese. And we talked about that in a story a couple weeks ago, uh, where we mentioned some of the things she specifically had to say, mm -hmm. like using your music and ads without, uh, like... Letting her know. Without, yeah, without approval. Um, having her as the face of certain uh, certain things that she didn't want to be in. You know, that kind of thing. It was just, she had gotten to the point where they were not using her image and music in the way that she supported. And she was over it. So she wanted out of the contract, but Warner Music was basically... Uh, telling her that there was no easy way out. So, happy to hear that they finally came to an agreement here, and uh, that she's free to move about the cabin, and hopefully <laughs> she'll go, um, you know, to somewhere um, that fits her style better, that fits her uh, needs um, and wants, and or maybe even put out her own music. I mean, she's been doing this for a while. Maybe a self, uh, self-release model is maybe more her style at this point. We have seen we'll some successful self-release oh, yeah. models. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it could also mean that she could sign with someone from Brazil. It could be, yeah. They could, she could take it home. Yes. I mean, she's got enough, a big enough name now internationally. People know who Anita is now. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's exciting that she's finally gotten what she wanted. Oh, way out. Yes, exactly. All right. Uh, cool. So... Let's move on then to thoughts, and you listen yes. to something. I'll be real brief here. Uh, so the indie band Wednesday. Not to be confused with the Netflix show. No, different. Wednesday. Very different. Uh, Jenna Ortega is not involved. Okay. Um, anyway, she has... Oh, jeez, damn it. The band... <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Got me. Ran right into that wall. Um... So the band has put out a new record. This is their uh, fifth under the name Wednesday, but they're it's only their uh, third, I believe, as a full band. Um, and yes, it's called Rat Saw God, and it's already getting uh, acclaim across the board from uh, indie music critics mm -hmm. and websites. Um, it's fantastic. They are a band from South or North Carolina, and it's and it checks because when you listen to them, they're very they use a Southern influence. There are some songs that sound country. There's a country influence on the way that the lead singer sings. Um, it's very much from a perspective of somebody who grew up in, in the South. A lot of the lyrics are very, uh, use a lot of, of very visual, um, like day-in-a-life scenarios um, from somebody who's lived down there. And so it's very of a place, a place and time. But then it's also influenced by a lot of 90s alt-rock. So it's like, Walls of noisy sound, a lot of that kind of uh, riffing going on, but mm. with enough of that southern flair that it still feels unique, it still feels original. It doesn't feel tired like a lot of those like bands trying to be Nirvana, for example. Sound. It's a really unique combination of things, and Wednesday really makes it work. And this record is the best example of that yet. From front to back, it is spectacular, and like. 
This combined with the Boy Genius record last year, we are really seeing a renaissance right now for indie rock. I feel like indie rock is having a moment again, and it's the women that are spearheading it. Hmm. Wednesday is led by a female singer, and... Um, you talked about Boy Genius last week. That's what I'm saying. I mentioned that. Yeah, like I feel like combined, like there's there really is a moment right now where these like very you have these very strong women leading these these um, not exactly traditional, but definitely sounds indie rock sounds that harken back to a decade, like a couple decades prior. I feel like indie music had an electronic moment that we're just seeing the end of, and yeah, I feel like the the, the rock bands are back. And I think it's perfect timing, and it's it's gr- it's good to see it see it happen. So uh, yeah, it's it's excellent. I recommend it if you like that kind of '90s rock vibe. Uh, give it a shot. Sounds good. So that's Wednesday. Uh, so I did listen to an album. Okay. Um, so last month, Lincoln Park released its 20th yes. anniversary uh, vinyl compilation of Meteora. Yeah, it's yeah. 20 year anniversary. Yes. Uh, this week. All of that was released on streaming. Hey. So if you didn't pay $300 for that vinyl, <laughs> you can listen to the entire thing on streaming. It covers a remastered version of Meteora, the live in Texas, the live in Nottingham, as well as the demos and bonus tracks cool. from Meteora, including the new single Lost mm-hmm. that was recently released two weeks ago that we talked about. Yeah. Something like that. Or yeah. not two weeks ago. Two months ago. Two or three months, months ago, ago. That we talked about. Like apart from the vault. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Chester's version. Oh, no. <laughs> no. I was thinking that, but I was like, I'm not going to say it. From the vault. Um, I'm glad you said it, not me. Um, all right. Uh, but yeah, all that's available for streaming right now. Um, cool. I got through it. Well, no, I didn't get you through, got through no, it. No, I didn't get through the live stuff. I just went through yeah. the regular. I was like. Oh, yeah, I remember. Good remaster? Good remaster. Good remaster. Um, speaking this. of remaster, I saw that part of this project is that they also up all of the music videos to 4K. Really? From that era. You should check that out. And maybe they're on YouTube. But yeah, I was like, that's a neat idea. Uh, on their YouTube channel, I did notice that they have all the behind-the-scenes stuff from oh, that tour uh, cool. as well. Uh, that's in 4.3, though. So oh, well, you know. Pr- prepare your... You can't really <laughs> add ratio to something eyes. that doesn't have ratio. But yes... Um, but yeah, no, I feel like uh, the the music video move that's really smart, and I feel like yeah. more more artists should be doing that if they can afford to. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, yeah, if you want to listen to like all the demos, all the sampling that they did for that iconic album, as well as all the unreleased stuff, mm-hmm. it's all available on streaming now. You don't need to have a vinyl to listen to it. Hey, well, that's good. That's good news for all those Lincoln Parks Lincoln Park fans out there. Yes. Cool. All right. All right. Let's move on then we'll into right video games. And we start with new releases. Yes. Uh, starting with Process of Elimination. It's <laughs> a good name for a game. For the PS4 sure. and the Switch. Yep. There's also Sherlock Holmes, colon, The Awakened. Which I understand is a remastered of the game of, that came out prior. And that is for everything. Complete yep. and total remaster. You need it everywhere. <laughs> uh, there's also Tron Identity. For the Switch and PC. Uh, I didn't realize they were making a new Tron game. Yeah, I remember this was at a, um, a Nintendo Direct, I believe, when they showed this, the Switch version. Yeah, it would have to be. Um, and I remember there was speculation at the time, does this mean we're getting a Tron movie? Mm-hmm. Well, no, apparently that's not what it meant. The game's coming out without any sort of tag to any sort of other product. So, just the game. Boo. You know. Uh, there's also Tokyo, colon, 
Yeah. Sorry. Ghostwire Colon Tokyo. Tokyo coming for the Xbox Series X. That was already a PlayStation yes. game prior. Yes, the year of uh, console exclusivity is over, so you're getting the Xbox version now. Yeah. Or if you have PlayStation is Extra, I think you can get it on that yeah. as well, streaming. Notable because this was one of the, I believe this was the last game that Tango uh, Gameworks put out before the Microsoft Bethesda purchase was finalized. Yep. So, yeah, it just missed that missed that that window. And lastly, in new releases, Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection yeah. for the PS4, Switch, and PC. Did you ever play the Mega Man Battle Network games? Uh, no. They're pretty good. I've had uh, three, I think. Is this the one rather than like the 9x9 grid? Or the yes, 3x3 yes. Grid? It's the grid-based okay, yeah. one where it's kind of like there's cards and you can use those for powers. A lot of people really like these mm-hmm. games. Um, so yeah, a collection of them available now. Ooh, okay. Cool. All right. Well, let's stick with some Nintendo news. Yes. And go right into talking about Shigeru Miyamoto, well, you know, so, yeah. creator of Mario. Mario's having a big week, uh, with the movie coming in, uh, coming out. So, uh, Mario's also been in the news for other reasons, because a lot of people have been interviewing Miyamoto this week. Yes. So Mario creator Shigeru Miyamoto has suggested Nintendo could be moving away from the, quote, challenging (laughs) task of developing mobile titles starring the company's mascots. Quote, mobile apps will not be the primary path of future Mario games. End quote. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, uh, Miyamoto told Variety as part of the interview for the upcoming film. Uh, Super Mario Run, Mm -hmm. which was released in 2016 for mobiles, and Mario Kart Tour, which was released in 2019, um, seem to be the only Mario games released for mobile so far. Of course, there are other Nintendo properties, such as Fire Emblem, Animal Crossing, and Pikmin, that have also made mobile debuts in location, or in the recent years. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Of As course. We, of course, we can't be forgetting Nintendo's largest affiliated success of Pokemon Go with Niantic's location-based Pokemon game, which, as of last year, has generated $6 billion in player spending. Yeah. Uh, besides Pokemon Go, Nintendo is probably looking at, li- looking at a lot of mobile initiatives that have yet to really fulfill their promise of being super big successes. I think Mario Run was a success when it first came out because mm-hmm. it had a unique model where it was like, you'd play it for free for a little bit or pay one time basically to unlock it. Yep. Um, which was, I remember, kind of controversial at the time, but eventually people just moved on. Um, and that's the thing. I think like what Nintendo found out is that the mobile mobile audience is fickle. Something will hit for like a few months and then just completely drop off. Unless it's something that's supported as continuously as Pokemon Go. And I think what they realized was is that Mario as a concept in the Mario franchise just doesn't fit well with that model. I think that there was just nothing in there they could have got, done to really keep Mario Run going any further than it did. And I think they're realizing that now, years after that initiative. To be fair, Pokemon Go did have a significant step up by already having... Eight genera- yes. seven or eight generations right. by the time it was launched. Yes. And then locking oh, wow. away six generations and only releasing the first one to yeah. 
bait everyone into that nostalgia. It's a smart pick. drip feed of way to approach to do it, and I get why they did it the way they did. But yeah, I mean, the the, the long and short of it, though, is that a lot of people uh, read other uh, things of this interview to suggest that a proper Mario game is coming down the pipe very soon, no pun intended. Um, and uh, it looks like maybe there will be some sort of future Nintendo Direct that might have a hint at that, whether it's a Switch game, maybe a sequel to Odyssey, who really knows? But it seems like the one thing we know for sure is it won't be on phones. Hmm. Uh, because, yeah, they just tried that. Wasn't really a Nintendo-like solution for them, and they're moving on. So, makes sense. Um, I mean, especially if they want to promote any type of handheld console yeah, well, on the go. You don't want to have competing consoles in your pocket, <laughs> now do you? I mean, the way they put it when they started this was they felt like those two things could coexist. Um, because of they're a different kind of vibe. They, they also mean? said that they could coexist. Uh, that mobile phones could coexist with the Switch <laughs> in voice chat because oh, everyone yeah. has a phone, right? Let's not talk about the voice chat situation. <laughs> it's a mess. But Nintendo doesn't understand the internet, okay? They don't get it. It's okay. We'll talk about what Nintendo does understand a little bit later. Yes, yes. Anyway. Anyways, let's move on then to Warner Brothers and Multiverses. Yeah. As it has been in the news this multi-gone. Week. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, Multiverses has been removed from all digital storefronts, not permanently. No. Because Warner Brothers and developer Player First Games yeah. is preparing to relaunch it next year. So this news, actually, at last week, we talked about a couple of other things instead, but this is my way of kind of like scooping it into one story here. All right. So last month, it was announced that yeah. the game was set to be taken offline and that it would return in early 2024. Well, on Tuesday, community manager Corey Taylor posted a message to the game's official Discord server informing players that the game has now been pulled from stores and its premium currency, Galenium, <laughs> is no longer available to purchase. Quote, As of now, Multiverses is no longer downloadable for new players and has been temporarily removed from storefronts along with Gleamium. So, yeah. End quote. So what's going on here is that, and this is the story from last week, is that Warner randomly just announced one day, it's like, hey, Multiverse's beta period is over. Mm -hmm. Which a lot of people were very confused by. Because never before in the game's launch had they used that term before. That it was a beta. Everybody assumed that that game was just straight up out. Mm -hmm. It was free to play. Um, you could buy expansions, buy additional characters for it. There was no indication that it was in a beta, uh, like in a beta scenario. Like everybody thought, it's like, no, this game's out. It won the video game award last year for best fighting game. <laughs> like, everybody just said, this is a product, this, this is a game, this is out. So everybody was kind of thrown out, thrown off uh, when they made that announcement. And yeah, now they're to the point where like, oh no, now you can't even buy it in its current state. So a lot of people are wondering, like, was this their way to like secretly retool it <laughs> without necessarily saying that they're fixing it because they don't want it to sound like a negative? It sounds like a crisis. <laughs> Which it doesn't even seem like it was that broken to begin with. It seemed like people really enjoy that game. Yeah. So, I don't know. This is just like a, feels like a power move where they're just like, I don't know, we can just tell them that that was a beta and that the real multiverses is coming out later. It just seems weird. It seems like a very strange move for a very popular game. 
I mean, it is a game based on Warner Brothers property, and I'm trying to think if there's any <laughs> type of contract or legal like, like they have to remove certain yeah. characters. Things have to disappear randomly, and then they somehow reappear later. It's the <laughs> HBO Max model. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on with Warner. Um, I'm assuming you're right, is that something largely larger in larger corporate realm is probably causing this to happen, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, it's just weird. Well, I mean, we'll talk about, like, corporate realm, like, who has the right to actually put stuff on a video game or not. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyways. Anyways. Uh, we played some games, though. Yeah, so this week uh, marked the launch of the New Game Plus mode for God of War Ragnarok, your yeah. favorite video game of last year. Yeah, it did. You tried some of this. Uh, yes. Tell me about New Game Plus. Uh, so, this was a surprise release. I was surprise. not expecting it. It just came from a blog post just random Wednesday afternoon to say, hey, by the way, we updated God of War and you now have New Game Plus. Oh, and the list of all the extra stuff that comes with hey. it just randomly dropped. Um, so supposedly this is supposed to come last week uh-huh. uh, because it was supposed to be a part of um, Q, the first quarter of 2023. Uh-huh. We knew it was coming. Uh, they said it was supposed to be in early 2023 to spring. Technically, I guess they're counting April as spring and Technically, April counts as the next year in terms of financials. So maybe that's why they did it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, Garden War Ragnarok New Game Plus is here. Cool. You have to complete your first playthrough in order to unlock New Game Plus. Yeah. All your stuff gets carried over. You get all the new um, armor sets uh, that can, if you upgrade them previously, you can upgrade them even further with the new drops. Uh, there's a lot of other interesting things in here, including the new battle arena in Niflheim, where Ooh. you can play as either Kratos or Atreus and have multiple different unplayable characters before team up with you. Hey, cool. Like Thor, like Brock, like Sindri, like Freya. Like you have all these different combinations in that Niflheim arena to do uh, the different challenges. Now, unfortunately, you can't take them outside of the, into the main story. <laughs> no. But it's still cool to have the different team-ups in like a battle <laughs> in an arena type setting where cool. you can fight with them and create different combinations. Um, awesome. Also interesting is that there is a debuff mode. Ah. So if you want to pl- if you want to be crazy, <laughs> give or, yourself a challenge, or uh, give yourself a challenge, or if you want to like be speedrunner on this thing, um, there are certain debuffs you can uh, purchase for like very minimal hack silver in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the completely unclothed Kratos. Weird saying, I know. Sorry? Uh, so, it's Kratos. <laughs> it, that's the skin, though. It's him with... It is a skin. You know uh, yeah, it's him without the armor. Mm-hmm. It's him without his gauntlets. Mm-hmm. And him with the basic Spartan um, belt. <laughs> and it all has zero <laughs> stats on it. Oh, okay. So all your, like, strengths and, de- and buffs... Right. Gone. You become extremely vulnerable. Not only that, but there's also a bunch of debuffs that you can add. Like, every time you roll, you get frostburn. Oh, no. Like, every, like you get uh, limited healing. Uh, you're... Like, you can only, like, parry once... Like, once every, like, ten seconds instead of, like, trying to block continuously. Or, you're, like, your shield breaks more often. Man. There's a lot of different debuffs in here to help create, like, more challenges. Brutal. And, yeah, no, it is brutal. 
I wouldn't want to do it. No. No. I don't know why you would put this in a game. I mean, it's, it's, the point, like, it's probably where it's for those players who have played the game to death and they're like, well, this is, I want a challenge. This is oh, hard anymore. Oh, they gave them a challenge. Yeah. It's like a god laughing at you, like, ha you <laughs> want a challenge? Yeah. I'll show you a challenge. Exactly. It just takes everything away. I mean, couldn't be me, but there's somebody out there that wants Oh, yeah, that. there's someone out there. Yeah, someone. Um, but Maskies. also the good thing about this is that uh, even if you don't want to actually do the challenge, yeah. um, you can reskin your setup. Okay. So you can have all your buffed up items mm-hmm. uh, and then just reskin it so it's just Kratos walking around with <laughs> nothing. That's cool because yeah, like I like that in like MMOs have done that before, where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I want the strength, like the the stats of this thing, but I want it to look like this other thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did that a lot in the game that shall not be named because I like the way my character looked, and you don't want yeah, the and I didn't want all the goofy stuff that was hanging off of off of her. Yeah, I bet. So <laughs> I, was like, I like my my way my character looks because it looks like a very in universe look. Yeah, without being too wacky. Right. So I like that option. I wish more games did that. Yeah, no, I feel like games should do that. Should always offer that. It's cool. Okay, well, yeah, that's awesome. So more life in a game that um, is a single-player experience and is done fairly quickly. It's like Mm -hmm. good to see them adding things for you to be able to come back and enjoy it again. There are two things that they took away from the end game, but that's because they are um, story-driven. Okay. Uh, but not one of the weapons, which which is also story driven, which is kind of fascinating. Um, but I think that like if you go in and like you take your weapon away, it's like, yeah. well, I gotta wait towards the end of the game to unlock the weapon. But then when I unlock it, I already have everything done from what I did in the previous game. No, just right. Gives me the stuff that that is blocked is um, bow and arrow based, which is mm. helps for puzzle solving. And not for progression, mostly. Okay. So, there's a good reason for what they did. I think they did a good job balancing it so far. Um, I'll probably end up streaming this on Monday. Um, I'll say about doing it Wednesday, but I didn't get enough time. Yeah. And then I was going to do it Friday, but... uh, (laughs) Friday, you were busy. I was busy. (laughs) But yeah, no, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm glad that the Game Plus is here. Uh, It's going to give me some uh, thing to play while I have... PGA coming. Yeah. So next week I'll talk about PGA 2023, uh, the tour where someone awesome will go on the tour. Hey, someone awesome coming back. We'll talk a, bit, a little bit yes. more about golf later. Yes, but in the meantime, in the meantime, you. Yes. Speaking of games that are old, I finally played another remake. game. Um, so I've been waiting for it with bated breath. It is here. I got my copy of Resident Evil 4. I feel like you've been talking about this thing for like two weeks, yeah. trying to wait for it to come. Well, because I knew I was excited to try it, and oh my god, did it pay off. This is one of the best games I've played in a long, long time. I love everything they did with the remake of Resident Evil 4. Uh, this was a game I only dabbled in uh, when it was originally released. Um, this time, it is completely taken. Uh, like, I am completely in it. I am deep in it. I am almost done with it. That is how deep I am in it. I have almost spent 20 hours just tearing through this campaign. It is so much fun. It is so refined. They've fixed so many little things, so many details. It's a beautiful looking game. Um, just everything they fixed like feels even better than the original. Like it is just an amazing piece of, of game design that they've they've refined here into the like a very refined gem. Like, that, that's what this feels like. Just moment to moment, it feels great to kill zombies. 
Um, it's still a goofy ass fun universe to be in. It does not take itself too seriously, which is something that I think people were maybe worried about when remaking the game. I don't know if you know how goofy Resident Evil 4 is. No. Is this um, in Raccoon City? No. So basically it takes a place after all the Raccoon City stuff has gone down. It is not the same T-virus that caused the zombies in the first place. Mm -hmm. It is a new uh, disease that is infecting the people of Spain. And it is called Las Plagas. Uh, Spanish for the Black Death. Yeah, basically. And, um, yeah, um, you have to deal with all these guys. And they're not just like those slow zombies from before. They will rush you. And there's a lot of them. But the game is tuned to uh, react to that. You have, it's more of an action game than it is survival horror. Mm -hmm. But the remake kind of sets those balances a little bit more off. uh, Where it's like, there's enough survival horror moments in there tossed in to add flavor to it. But for the most part, it's a it's an action game with some puzzle elements. Um, but yeah, so far, just the, the flow of the game is really, really perfect. It really knows when to uh, pull and release that tension on you. Uh, moments of really heat, like big action moments are balanced out by like, now you're just going to wander around this, this area for a while and solve these puzzles. Look around your environment, see what, this, what these uh, tiles need to be set to, that kind of thing. It, uh, but yeah, with retaining the goofiness of the original. This is how goofy Resident Evil 4 is. There are notes around that are just like put up by villagers that are just like, hey, can you shoot down these blue medallions that are hanging from ceilings? I hate these things. <laughs> and yeah, you, you have to shoot down blue medallions. It's super video gamey and funny. And then there's like, oh yeah, and kill all these rats in this area while you're at it. Or... Or kill or sell these vipers, these snakes that you find in boxes sometimes. There's just whack a box and a snake will jump out at you. It's just goofy shit like that. There's a minecart level. <laughs> One of the main uh, enemies in this game is this short little Napoleon guy. <laughs> but that's the wonderful part about this game is that it's a game that looks like it would take itself fairly seriously in a franchise that's known for being, I don't know, Maybe a little goofy, but fairly serious and dark and scary. And the the thing that... But they strike such a perfect balance in 4 that it never feels too serious and it never feels too silly. It really rides that line. But it's just... I'm having a blast with it. It is one of the most pure, fun video games I've played in a long time. I love upgrading my items. I love, like... I've just fully upgraded a pistol and it just feels great to use. And, like, man, it just keeps getting better and better as it goes on. I'm really excited to see uh, what they do at the end. I've already had a knife fight with a dude from a previous Resident Evil game that I wasn't anticipating. I've killed a sea serpent in a lake with some harpoons in a motorboat. Um, yeah, I just, I can't, Im- and I can't imagine where it's going to go now. <laughs> it's a blast. So did you play the original four? A little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I dabbled in it. I got, like, maybe... Mm, hour or two in uh, on the Wii version. This is better in every way. Uh, They've improved every little bit of it. Uh, Even the kind of skeevy stuff, like kind of weird shit that they did with Ashley, the president's daughter, who you're rescuing in this game, in the original game. That's that one. Okay, that's this one. So in the original game, she was 17. Right. She's aged up to 20 here. Okay. She's no longer wearing a skirt. It's a skirt. <laughs> so no more creepy looking up her skirt while she's climbing up the the uh, 
They ladders this time. They've basically gone on and been like, okay, anything that people would be like, this is not cool in 2023, <laughs> they've adjusted. And it's better for it. I think Ashley is a better character now. They've really added some depth to her. Um, I like their dynamic together. The characters are great. Like, the story is fun. Uh, just, yeah, just what a fantastic video game. It's just, I'm, in, I'm having such a blast. And it's almost to the point where, like, maybe when I finish it, I might, like, try some sort of new game plus. Because there's stuff baked into the game already Ooh. that allow you to take in. It's a Resident Evil tradition to just be like, okay, you, you're done. Then take these weapons and do it again. Uh, Wait, and you mean a game that just comes automatically packaged with new game plus? I know. You don't have to wait for it like Sony makes you. <laughs> It's wonderful. So yeah, I'm excited to play more of it, and um, they're going to add that mercenaries multiplayer mode um, soon, which sounds cool. Multiplayer, as well. not multiverses, right? <laughs> not multiverses. Okay. No. Although I do believe that traditionally they add characters from other Resident Evil games into those modes. Oh, so maybe, maybe, maybe is multiverses of sorts. So yeah, Resident Evil Four. It's good. It's as good as people say it, said it was. Uh, turns out. It's as good as they thought it was. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic, and I'm, I'll probably talk to it, talk about it again once I wrap it up. Okay. But that's all I played, and a little bit more of the show. I'm still not out of the minors. Like I said, Carlos Estevez is our closer, so I don't think they're going to move me up anytime soon, unless he gets hurt or something. I'm sorry, but Charlie Sheen is Tiger Blood. <laughs> yes, exactly. Tiger Blood is keeping keeping me from being the closer for the the Angels. Um, by the way, uh, at the game yesterday, yeah, that guy was huge. Yeah, Carlos Estevez. Yeah, yeah, he's a big guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a big guy. He talked. He's he <laughs> over literally everyone on that team. More intense than the always intense Matt Chapman. Oh no, he's very intense. I can't believe Matt Chapman went to El Toro. I feel like bar- my brain broke. <laughs> like when I found that out, I was like, "Wait, are you telling me this guy's local too?" Yes, he's very intense. Uh, but I don't think they would have ever played against each other, uh, uh, Sandoval and uh, Chapman, because I feel like one they're there's an age difference. Yeah. But also, too, I don't think they're in the same division. Because yeah. we were... What division were we? I don't remember Mission's division back then. Trinity something. Maybe. No, it doesn't sound right. Were we? Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> Toro's orange. <laughs> high, school, high school sports. Who knows? High school sports. Anyway, speaking yeah. of high school sports, <laughs> speaking of high school sports, uh, let's move on to the second hour of the show and talk about television. And we always start the television section with the sports corner. We start with one shining moment. Yeah, as it happened as it does every year with the crowning of the NCAA men's basketball championship. And in a dramatic turn of events, the women's game was more excited to watch than the men's yes, game. and had a lot more to talk about than the men's game. Yes. But the men, uh, UConn ended up taking it over San Diego State. Ooh. Sorry, I mean, Aztecs. Congratulations. Yes, sorry, Aztecs. San Diego um, shed one single tear. But yeah, UConn had their shining moment, so congratulations right. to them. Then meanwhile, as you mentioned, the women's tournament also wrapped up with LSU taking it over Iowa um, in a dramatic fashion. Yes. So... Uh, yep, uh, the one shining moment, it happened. Yeah. I feel like the one shining moment for the men's side happened a lot earlier in the tournament <laughs> than it did in the finals. Yeah. So I don't know, kind of, didn't kind of ruin it, but hey, at least it was there. Mm. And yeah, congratulations to LSU. Yeah. Great game. Yeah, it sounded like it. it. sounded like it was quite a, quite a dramatic finish mm-hmm. to that one. Moving out of college basketball into, let's go straight into professional basketball here with the NBA. 
The Eastern Conference playoffs are solidified. We have the Milwaukee Bucks clinching the best league record as well. Yep. And the cutoff for the Western Conference has been officially made as of last night. The There's only a couple of games left, and all that's remaining is who's going to be either secured in the playoffs or has to do the play-in. Um, yeah. But the Eastern is all set. They already know who's in the play-in. They already know who's on... Um, We've already in the, the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, it's just the Western has some last-minute shuffling. Possible shuffling. Every day. I'll put their quote, possible <laughs> shuffling, because they're like a game separating a couple of these teams. Okay. So we'll see. Yeah. See what happens. Meanwhile, uh, baseball season rolls after its opening week. It was a rousing success, especially if you're the Tampa Bay Rays, as they are the only team that is undefeated so far in their season, going 7-0. and Yep, uh, we obviously know that will not continue. No, God, baseball. <laughs> baseball. There are too many damn games in baseball for anyone to be undefeated. Uh, you're lucky if you get, like, over 100 games. Uh, so good luck um, to the Rays to keep that streak going. Yeah, but hey, at least um, it's a streak that we can look forward to ending yeah. probably this weekend. Probably. <laughs> but meanwhile, in the rest of the, 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 uh, the league, uh, the leagues, um, yeah, uh, Kind of strange results so far this season. Yep. A lot of surprising uh, standings with uh, the, the Phillies largely underperforming in their division yep. after going to the World Series last year. I uh, I keep hearing from my boss about how great the Milwaukee Bucks are, or mm-hmm. sorry, Brewers are, not the Bucks. Yep, the Brewers are, but having, also the Bucks are rolling right now, six to one. Yep. Um, yeah. So and uh, yeah, it's like definitely mixed results. But again, there's a lot of baseball to play. So we'll yes. see how things shake out as the season continues. And, and our ever-watching Home Run Derby watch. Yes. Uh, Bryant Reynolds of yeah. Pittsburgh Pirates. Yes. Currently in first place of the Home Run Watch with five. Yes. So we will continue to watch as uh, the scene continues. Yes, but hey, right that. behind him is the polar bear Pete Alonzo. Yep, still going. From the Mets. So yeah. Uh, moving on to hockey, 13 playoff spots have been secured. The Boston Bruins have clinched the best league record there. So uh, Bruins continuing uh, to be stellar this season. I mean, we already knew they were going to probably oh, clinch yeah. the best record. But yeah, 127 points. That's a lot of points. Yes, it is. That's like 20 points more than their most like, <laughs> like the, the closest rival, which is pretty crazy. So uh, yeah, doing pretty well. Um, it'll be an interesting playoff series to watch. Yeah. Um, uh, 13 out of the 16 spots have been clinched, including, for the first time, mm-hmm. your Seattle Kraken. Yes, uh, which you're uh, happy to see a new uh, a new franchise make it. Yep. Um, there's only, like, just like with basketball, there's only a couple games remaining in the NHL season. Uh, both of them will wrap up, I believe, next week. So we'll have who is in the playoffs by the time next podcast. All right. So we'll talk about that next week. In the meantime, we move on to golf. The Masters are this weekend with Brooks Kepka and John Rahm, your favorite. John Rahm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the lead uh, with negative uh, 12 and negative 10, respectively. Yes. Do you know how to rob it? <laughs> Rob it. 
We'll see if he can ram it into uh, the lead spot here this weekend. So, uh, we're going to bring up these two names, um, specifically, not just because they're in the lead, but because it is Brooks Kepka, currently of Live Golf. Oh, right. Versus uh, in the lead against John Rahm, mm-hmm. currently of the PGA Tour. Right. Uh, there is some tormental weather going on in Augusta, Georgia right now, where the Masters is taking place. Okay. Uh, lots of rain, lots of wind, lots of cold. So could you argue that because of this affiliation, that this is almost like a battle for golf's soul in a way, where like the winner will ultimately like determine kind of the, the wave of things to come here? It would be yeah. if Brooks Kepka wasn't shitting on live golf. Oh shit! Really? He's doing. He's bad mouthing it while also participating in it. Oh, let's just say he's voicing some regrets of yeah. being a part of live golf. I bet. I saw, by the way, the first promo I've seen um, on television while watching the CW's fine program Riverdale um, for live golf. For live golf, and I was like, oh, that's right. The CW got this thing. Yes. <laughs> CW got the TV rights, God. but it's on Saturday mornings. <laughs> no one's going to watch that. No. Literally, and Chrissy <laughs> turns to me and is like, what is that? I'm like, yeah, no, it's not worth explaining what's going on there. No one will care. It's a Saudi-backed one. What is on CW anymore? Well, that's the answer. <laughs> well, you know, they're trying to pare it down, right, for the sell? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, that's the way you want to sell it, with that bomb on the lineup, right? Anyway. Yeah, anyways, uh, Brooks Kepka is kind of like, Voicing his regrets of taking the money, going yeah. to live golf. Because if he was to break his contract and return back to the PGA, he would have to pay back four times what they paid him. Right. So it'd be somewhere north of half a billion dollars just to break his contract. Right. That's it's pretty penny. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't casually have that on hand as a golfer. No, it turns out you don't. No. Uh, so as we... Uh, it was also, he was also voicing a lot of his frustration that a lot of the stuff that was promised... Like the TV deal, yes, which um, they said, like, yeah, we'll get TV deals all across the world for Live Golf. <laughs> technically, CW is on TV. And it's a deal. <laughs> They're technically a TV network. <laughs> it's technically a TV deal. They qualify. But yeah, now he like wishes that like more people had more eyes on Live Golf. It's not yeah. like what he was kind of promised, what they were kind of selling it yeah, as, yeah. and not really what you want to hear no. outside of um, a major, not not just a major tournament, but like. One of the big major tournaments. Oh, yeah. um, the reason, so just a little backstory. The reason why both Live Golf and PGA can't play in the Masters is because the Masters is not affiliated with the PGA. It is its right. own separate it's tournament. Its own thing. It is an invite only of the world's top golfers. Right. And the world's top golf rankings doesn't care which one you play for. Yeah. So we will see how this pans out, and the battle for golf's soul will continue. Um, um, we are wholly heavily rooting for John Rob. Oh yeah, I would be too. All right, ink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Apparently, yes. You can hear the screams of yes. John Rob excitement Rob. behind us. <laughs> Meanwhile, is there anything else in sports before we move on to sports entertainment? What do you mean? That is sports. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll get there, but anything else in sports we need to wrap up before we move on? Uh, let's see here. XFL continues. Mm-hmm. Uh, USFL will start is soon, right? Next, I believe that's next week. Okay, yeah, the 14th, 15th. I think that's is that next week or the following week? Yeah, something like that. So that, uh, yeah, USFL is coming up. XFL continues. Okay, well, let's move on then into sports entertainment. I'm looking at the clock here, and we got to cruise through the second half of the show here. Um, so, oh, yeah, we're good. tell me briefly about 
WrestleMania. We have here the WrestleMania happened this weekend. Roman Reigns won his third um, uh, championship. What do they call it? Belt. Uh, no, he didn't win his third championship. I mean, uh, that's why I'm asking. I don't know what, what the terminology is. Like he won something. Uh, well, he won the main event of WrestleMania, event. Okay. holding his title right. for the third time. Uh, um, it he continues to be the dominant head of the table, strong force, strong arming his way through <laughs> the WWE. Essentially, now people are are looking at his th- upcoming one thousand day really? reign as the. Um, World Championship, World Heavyweight Undisputed Champion of Wrestling, which isn't really that big of an accomplishment. <laughs> no, it's not. No, you don't think so? No. Okay. <laughs> but what uh, what is, though, is what ultimately this led to. Anything else you want to say briefly about WrestleMania before we moved on to the big news that shook wrestling this week? Yes, so Cody Reigns, or not Cody Reigns, <laughs> Cody Rhodes... Battled Roman Reigns uh-huh. at in that uh, main event, only to then lose because, of course, right. And then on Raw after WrestleMania, uh, the Monday Night Raw event, it was Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns and one of his unduly henchmen mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. in a tag team match. Okay, only for Brock Lesnar to put. Cody Rhodes in a body bag, sweep his leg, <laughs> F5 him across the ring, and walk away before the match started, essentially carting off Cody Rhodes. Jesus. So Wrestling's stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really, really is. Every time I hear something I'm just like, about something that happened in a wrestling match, I'm like, wait, what's the fantasy of this world? Like, is this, what's real and what's not? Like, I don't understand. No, no, it's not what's real. He's the American nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, you know. The Beast Incarnate, <laughs> F5, the American Nightmare in front of the tribal team. F5, what does that mean? That, that's his move. Like, refresh? Yeah, he puts them <laughs> all on him, and then he spins them as uh-huh. he launches them, F5-ing in the air. What's that? It still doesn't explain uh, That's what a that wrestling means. move. That's a yes, wrestling but what move. does it stand for? Uh, F5-ing them. <laughs> Yeah, anyways, I will, like never I will never understand. That's different, though. I know, the, like, that's moves, a thing. All the moves have different names. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is there, like, F5 where he, like, puts them up on his shoulders <laughs> and spins them? But why is it called, called, yeah. called F5? Yeah. <laughs> well, but then his other move is, like, a suplex. Sure. Yes. You know what that is. They say he's, he's, he's the beast to Kermit. Well, suplex city. Well. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> Fireman's carry. Is it five firemen are carrying it? Oh, a category five from the movie Twister. Oh, okay, sure. It seems like there's no method to the madness. No, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we like, I'm not going to 
say we're that into it, but we, <laughs> we got into it during right. 2020 when there was, was no a, sports. Right. It was our so sports we entertainment like, is the only we, thing. We're, we're starved of sports. Yeah. So we started watching it. And so we watch it once in a while. And we, my brother's friend is really into WrestleMania. So like we've been watching it with him even longer than that. But mm-hmm. um, it's really interesting right to see how they rebrand these people. And I think it's all for the merch. Oh, absolutely. It is. Yeah, they, they have a product. It's for, for the selling. Yeah. Yeah. You're literally selling it. Yeah. And to progress the stories. <laughs> and to progress the stories. Yes, a thousand day story. <laughs> I, I will say, yeah, I think the, I think like the Twitterverse and everybody uh, is disappointed that they, they like they, they bring up they bring back uh, Cody Rhodes, mm-hmm. the American Nightmare, as the golden child, uh-huh. and then he loses in his. And then they're like, oh, the same. By the way, he's gonna lose. Again. Of course, of course. And it's but, like. They Triple H should say different, but like <laughs> they really like beat the crap out of the head of the table story. Like it's <laughs> years, everyone's bored. Let's move on. Yes, not, they're okay. not done with it. They're gonna move on. Yes, because we have to move on <laughs> someday. Well, and they sold. The this is what we're segueing into, we're right, into right, right now. Right now. So yes, the purpose of talking talking so much about WrestleMania is because. Uh, the WWE was in the news this week as well, uh, and this will just be part of the. This will be the end of our sports section. Uh, well, it's TV also section. kind of our first TV story. Yeah, uh, which is yes, they got sold. So a few weeks ago, you we were talking about rumors uh, implying that yeah. uh, they were about to sell to the Saudi firm. So this um, was at the beginning of the year when uh, Vince McMahon came yes, back yes. as the chairman of the WWE. That there were rumors swirling about the possible sale of the WWE to a Saudi-backed investment group. Well, that sale did not happen, but it seemed like other negotiations were happening behind closed doors, and one of which was with the Endeavor Group, which is the owner of UFC. Mm-hmm. Well, UFC? UFC. UFC? It's funny that you mentioned Brock Lesnar. Yes. Uh, because he's, yes, uh, famous for being a UFC fighter for very long for a very long time. Well... The WWE has officially sold to the Endeavor Group on Monday. The WWE and UFC, owned by Endeavor, are merging to form a $21 billion, quote, global live sports entertainment company, end quote. With the transaction, UFC was valued at $12.1 billion, and WWE had a valuation of $9.3 billion. Endeavor will have a 51% controlling interest, with the remaining 49% spread across the WWE's shareholders. Vince McMahon said, because he's back with the company proper now, quote, the new company will be well-positioned to maximize the value of our combined media rights, enhance sponsorship monetization, develop new forms of content, and pursue other strategic mergers and acquisitions to further bolster our strong stable of brands, end quote. Dana White, UFC's head honcho, has commented on the merger of the two companies, saying, quote, this company has been on fire for the last seven years, and now that we will be adding WWE to the portfolio, I am excited to take this to another level, dot, dot, dot. There is no limit to what this company can accomplish in the next five years. So, as somebody who is a fan of at least one of these entities, 
What do you think this means for the future of the WWE? Conor McGregor versus yeah. Roman Reigns. And I hope they <laughs> knock that idiot out. Like, Which one? <laughs> <laughs> Conor McGregor. I hope he gets knocked out. Oh, I thought the other way around. <laughs> no. Conor McGregor is a bigger asshole, I think. Oh. Don't, can, don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. Can, can we get uh, Brock Lesnar to F5? <laughs> yes. Conor McGregor. Five him. Please, for the sake of us all. Anyway, um, yeah, it could be, lead to some interesting things. I mean, yeah, like I said, we saw Brock Lesnar, we saw um, Ronda Rousey yeah. um, make the transition <laughs> as well. Uh-huh. You know, great fighters. <laughs> well, of their right. time. Sure. Of their um, time. Do you think this means we'll have a uh, wrestling match on Fight Island? <laughs> <laughs> Bring back Fight Island. Fight Island, or Bellator, or whatever yeah. it was. Victoria, <laughs> or whatever. Anyways, yes. Um, yes. Weird D- WWE stuff. officially sold. Yeah, it happened. Yeah. But the bad, the worst news, of course, of all this is that, yes, it seems like Vince is back and it doesn't seem like there's any inv- evidence that he will leave again, which well, is bad news because there was that one little moment in time where it looked like we were scot-free of him and it looks like that's not the case. But, yes, they did bring him back because he basically... For the very long time, yeah. was the face of WWE, yeah. and I understand and contractually he had to be involved in a sale if there happened. If that and happened, wants the payday, and he wants the payday for it, and he wants also the credit for it too. Yep. If there's a big success, he wants to be the face of it still, mm-hmm. so that way he looks better. Like the the dip, Let's just put it this way: there's a very fine line between Donald Trump and Vince McMahon. They're basically the same person, <laughs> like in almost every way. So, and there are reason why they're besties. Yes. Turns out. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I hope this scumbag gets what he deserves at some point, but looks like... Donald Trump? Guy. Both, really. Oh, both, okay. <laughs> Quite a week for that, huh? Yes. Uh, we're not a politics podcast, but yes. Uh, we don't have time to get into that can of worms. But yeah, sad to see Vince is back, but maybe this could be good for the, everybody involved? I don't know. I have a hard to believe. Uh, I find that hard to believe with how shitty UFC is as an organization as well. It's just shittiness combining to, to combine more to... Equal more shittiness, I think. And as I've said before, WWE, and especially WrestleMania, is one of the greatest spectacles put to screen. One of the greatest (laughs) live spectacles. It's a spectacle, for sure. In all the meaning of that word. Yes. Where it's effervescent and it dissolves very quickly. Uh, But yes, it's fun in the moment. Yes. But enough about wrestling. We gotta move on. Speaking of something else that has had some troubled ears recently. Speaking of people that we not want to mention in our our mouth. And yet we have to, because this week, Harry Potter is back in the news, this time on television. Well, that's why they're in the television section. Yes, specifically coming to HBO Max. The long-rumored Harry Potter series for HBO Max is on track to clear the biggest hurdle in its path. Quote, not quote, sorry, colon. A deal (laughs) with the book's author, of course, J.K. Rowling who has creative control over any use of her work. Warner Brothers is in talks with Rowling to join the project as a producer. Once she comes on board, the project is expected to look for a writer. The general idea is for each season of the potential TV series to focus on one book each, which consists of seven novels. Warner Brothers Discovery CEO Zaslav has stressed multiple times his focus on franchises, with mining the Harry Potter IP identified as a priority. He has met several times with Rowling and has spoken up in support of the author, who has been involved in an ongoing controversy over her comments on transgender issues. So, this goes uh, hand in hand with HBO Max ha- now gaining 
back, I think. Yeah. The rights, rights to, to the films. The, to the films um, and the Fantastic Beasts films, which are now streaming on HBO Max. This is just frustrating because it's like, didn't they learn anything over the last few years of discourse? It's like, no, we want... Like, the ideal situation here is to enjoy a Harry Potter that is untainted by Rowling. The only thing is, is that so much of her is in its DNA, it's very hard to dis- to, to dissect that away. Well, it's also the contract of that contract she, she must be, be involved. involved in anything related to it. Yeah, so, so they're so, really caught. But the thing is, is the worst part about this is Zaslav doesn't care. He's supporting her here and wants her to actively be involved in the project if it goes through. I wonder if that's what they're kind of negotiating, is a morality clause. I don't know, because at this point, if they cared about that shit, I don't think they'd be doing it. Well, they have <laughs> to have her on board yeah. through the first season. Now, if they, for any reason, kick her off for end, for post, yeah. second, for their fourth seasons... I don't see it happening. Yeah. I think if she's like involved, she's in involved only. in the... I think she's involved in the long run if this happens because mm. Zaslav clearly says he's interested in having her on the project. He wants the Harry Potter IP. That's all yeah. he wants. He doesn't care about... Mm, it doesn't seem like that's how the story is written, though. It says that she's he supports her, which means that that's not something... He's not willing to just drop her off, you know, without necessarily using her on the project proper. I think that that's the, the, the thing here is that... Yeah, um, but he's doing the lip service so, to get her to sign. He does not care. I think that you're, you're wrong. I think that he does not care about the public perception. He, he's like, well, this is Harry Potter. She is Harry Potter to me. And this has, this would work, that we're working with her. I don't think that's, that's, he doesn't see it as a question. All right. So either way, I don't care. Um, I think that it would make sense for at least the property uh, to be adapted into a series. It is very trendy right now to have these long series of fantasy works on television. It Especially would be, if they want it on whatever HBO Max yeah. gets turned, turned into. It's a lucrative IP to get. I get why they're doing it, but Jesus Christ, not now. Like, I feel like this is like this is the worst timing that they could have for this, and that's a major hurdle that they still have not overcome, and I don't think they will. I think this little thing will launch... And I think we'll have a similar discussion that we did with the video game. Before anyone's saying it's too soon, it's, uh, by the time this thing even comes out, at the earliest, it'll be 25 years since the first film. <laughs> it's just frustrating. Yes, I realize that, but still, it's, I just don't, don't, don't just move on. Just do something else. We, it's tainted. The IP is tainted. It's over. Well, see, that's the good thing about the video game, is that they actually mention in the game... There are other schools that they could do. Yeah, but that's the thing, though. The entire that's not what I'm saying. The entire IP is tainted, is what I'm saying. The entire IP. Just move on. Adapt something else. We're done. We've moved on. Just stop trying to deal with it with this person who's obviously terrible. More wizards everywhere else. There are other magic. You want space wizards? There's other magic franchises. Space wizards. Yeah. Adapt a book about space wizards into a television show. That sounds way cooler. Yeah. Space have wizards. A little green space <laughs> wizard. Yes, let's do it. Let's move on. Yes. Anyways, that's it for television. Did we watch any television this week? Apparently not. <laughs> oh no, we watched stuff, just nothing new. Okay. Yeah. Uh Love is Blind is had its so last I. three proper episodes uh released on Friday. However, they will be doing a live reunion of Love is Blind 
Yeah. I want to say that's next week. On the it's either the fourteenth or the sixteenth. I forget what it said on Netflix. Okay. Uh, but yeah, next week will be a live reunion, and good thing Netflix didn't waste their one first time live event yes, on this. Exactly. And instead, wasted it on the Chris <laughs> Rock one. Wasted it for sure. Um, the only thing we watched this week, uh, just quick, I'll mention this quickly. Uh, season seven of Riverdale started, as uh, I mentioned on the CW. It's still batshit insane. Is this its final season? Its final season. They did a time jump backwards. They are in the 1950s. It is 1955. They are high school juniors again. Wait. I thought it was supposed to be contemporary. The multiverse still exists. Uh, in Riverdale? Yes. Uh, what? There, there still is a way where they could return to their current timeline. Everything that's happened is still referenced in the first episode. It's just that the rest of the uh, uh, characters don't know this has happened because they just are in the 50s without knowledge of anything that's happened elsewhere in the series. But the audience knows, and at least one character in the show knows, at least in the first episode, potentially one going forward. There's angels, there's still, they're still waiting for a, um, a meteor to uh, fly by, there's still time travel and uh, dimension jumping explosions <laughs> and the serial killers, and it's still absolutely insane. You lost me on... <laughs> they're six years into this. Yes. So, in theory, they'd be at least, yes. at minimum, two years <laughs> out of high school. Oh, yeah, no. And they're going back yes. into high school. We're supposed to believe that these adults are juniors in high school. Yes. It's amazing. Just, It is an incredible like, show. Does everyone like see them as themselves or just as the like oh, high school version of them? Everybody sees them as high schoolers, yeah. 1955. 1955. Yeah, right. it's, crazy. it's ridiculous. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do. I'm glad that's ending. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to see how they're ending. Okay. I, I can't really speak because like, yeah. I was very invested in uh, Agents of Marvel's Agents of sure. Shield. Yes, which also went off And that also went super yeah. off the rails and super comic booky in all the weird ways. Yeah, so looking forward to see how they wrap that up. Let's move on. Cancellations and renewals. All right, what am I no longer watching? Well, you'd be happy to know that your show that you talked about last week, The Big Door Prize, will be being renewed for a second season on Apple TV+. That makes me curious as to what they're going to do for the end. Who knows? Next up, Showtime has canceled Ziwa, I believe. Uh, canceled after two seasons. The Resident, canceled after six seasons on Fox. Sex Slash Life, canceled after two seasons on Netflix. And then we have some deaths. Judy Farrell, age 84, was an actress in MASH and TV writer for Port Charles. Bill Butler, age 101, a cinematographer, worked on Jaws, Grease, and Rockies 2, 3, 4. But not the original. Not the original. But yeah, all the remaining Rockies. Jeez, 101. Yeah. Long life. And then Norman Reynolds, age 89, production designer for Star Wars Episodes 4 through 6, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And won Oscars in 1978 and 1982. He was Lucasfilm's in-house production designer. Sounds like it. Yeah, definitely made a visual impact on culture yes. uh, with how important those movies were at the time and just how they affected the look of sci- like sci-fi movies going forward. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely a storied uh, career. One that you don't have, I don't remember his name. Um, so remember we had heard a few weeks ago that 
the members of S Club 7 were going to reunite and have a reunite uh, reunion tour. Yes, you mentioned this. So, unfortunately, right before this is set to happen, one of the original S Club 7 members has passed. Oh. At a very young age, at 48. Uh, so that was sad news that uh, hit, I believe, yesterday. So, so yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird one, especially weird timing. All right, let's move on to the next section here, which is movies. And we start the movies with the weekend box office numbers. All right. We start with... Oh, right there. Paul yeah, Cattermole. There he is. Yeah, sad. Oh, 46. I was even off with the age. Mm-hmm. All right, start with the box office. And number one this week is Dungeons & Dragons, colon, Honor Among Thieves, which debuted to $37 million. Respectable Make. amount, but not a huge hit. Um, make 37 million but still uh came over the top of last week's number one john wick chapter four which drops down to 28 million dollars this week and has 123 domestic the number three his holy son with a 5.5 million dollar debut that's your easter weekend release (laughs) your timing for that number four scream six with another 5.3 million dollars that's just 98 will creep over the 100 100 million line next week and creed three your number five with $5 million, adding to $148 million. I don't need to tell you that next week, it's all Mario all the time, baby! <laughs> yep, that's uh, going to be this upcoming weekend. Yes. Um, so, it's going to get that Easter family, let's all go to the movies kind of bump. Yeah. Uh, but, at least for this past week, Dungeons & Dragons was able to roll out the number one movie in America yes, yes. brand. Yep. For this week. For this week. Because it won't be next week. Yep. So yes, uh, obviously Super Mario Brothers movie was this week's big release. Uh, the two coming up this week actually I read last week for some reason. So I'm going to... Maybe the dates are wrong. So. Um, well, no, they actually got moved out They moved a out. Week. Okay. Uh, like a last second move out. It was, uh, right. it was uh, limited to wide. So Renfield, the Nicolas Cage Dracula movie, and the Pope's Exorcist, which we're still not sure whether the Pope's, Pope is performing the exorcist or, or, the exorcist or, exorcism the or the Pope is being exorcised. Either way, uh, those movies are this week. They get the wider release this yes. week. Um, you know, but we'll still be exercising Pope <laughs> yes. past Easter weekend. <laughs> but we'll still be destroyed by Super Mario Brothers. Probably. All right, let's move into the movie news. Yep. We begin with some more franchise uh, shit, which is, hey, uh, yes, you're picking up the phone here, but hey, nothing's been confirmed yet. Okay. Uh, it's, there's, there's some uh, vibrations there. Yes, but rumors are swirling after some comments that James Gunn has made over Marvel and DC. James Gunn is starting the press rounds in support of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which we are marks one month away from. Yes. Which, of course, marks his final directorial effort for Marvel. He already has one DC movie under his belt with 2021's The Suicide Squad. But, of course, Gunn is now leading DC Studios with Peter Safran and has created a new DC universe that will kick off with 2025's Superman Legacy, which Gunn is writing and directing. Gunn has been open about Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige supporting his transition to leading DC Studios. When asked by Empire Magazine about a Marvel-DC crossover event, he said, quote, I'm certain that's more likely now that I'm in charge. Who knows? That's many years away, though, Gunn added. Quote, I think we have to establish what we're doing at DC first. I would be lying to say that we haven't discussed it, but all discussions have been very, very light and fun. 
Stop picking up that phone. <laughs> the thing is that you have to keep in mind about the entertainment industry, and this is movies, television, everything. People are always talking about everything. You just want to always assume that's, that if you thought of it, an executive thought of it first, and has had that conversation. Or if you thought of it, an executive will claim to have thought of it first. So I don't put any, I don't, yeah, exactly. I don't put any <laughs> uh, value into this because literally they're always talking about this shit. Of course, James Gunn, a person who has directed movies for both franchises, has had that conversation with somebody at Disney and at Warner. Of course, because of course he has, because the same shit that we talk about, they're talking about because they're aware that the fans want it. Are you saying we're not original? There's a difference, though, between when executives think that something would be a neat idea and it actually happening. Because that is when you have to get the legal team involved. Yes. That's where this is an absolute nightmare. And that's why I think it'll never happen. Because when you actually get to the logistics of it, Disney's lawyers and Warner's lawyers have to have a superhero-style battle. And Disney's lawyers are going to win that every time. I'm sorry. It's like they're super, super protective over their IP. Well, you know, they have to negotiate not just contract and pay, mm-hmm. but also production. Who gets the production and who's right? who's the star? Where, who's the star? Yeah. How much screen time does everyone get? Can you imagine having that conversation with what Disney the villain is about who gets top billing in that film? Oh, yeah. It's discussed top billing. Yeah, it's like... There's someone's so... name goes first. Unless you do the cop-out thing of... Just both of them show at the same time. It's an Olympic track and field time. event. There are so many hurdles. <laughs> like, that's how many hurdles there are. There is a, there is a gunshot, and there are well, gold medals at the end of the it. The gun is shooting. Yes, ha, 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 ha. Gun anyway, is shooting Superman Legacy. But yeah, no, there's there's just so much work. Of course, the talks have been very light and fun, because they have to be. Because if you start talking seriously about it, you have to actually think about the logistics of it. Of course, but it's fun to think about, like, hey, like, not over at DC, it'd be nice, yeah. huh? Nudge, nudge. It's uh-huh. fun to think about, but I just think we're, again, like he says, many, many, many years away from that even thinking of well, even, like, having it happening. I all. mean, you do have a point, because even with, we saw how big Endgame was, yes. how limited screen time was for right. all of those characters. Imagine doing that with two franchises, with two studios warring about who gets the most time. Right, I mean, you also have to figure out who is important enough to cross over, especially (laughs) since, with Marvel, we're going to be getting into both Fantastic Four and X-Men. And then, yeah, and then DC, obviously, like Gunn says here, they have a lot of work to establish even what they are. Mm -hmm. Like, this isn't even started yet. And so we have to wait. He's laid out their gods and monsters plan for for chapter one. But the thing that is, the the moving part that hasn't been established is is what actually catches on with audiences, right? Mm -hmm. Just like Marvel... They have they make some plans, maybe preliminary, but then when the movies actually come out, some movies fail, and then you have to deal with the repercussions of that in your universe. You have to decide later. Looking at you, inhumans. Exactly. Some stuff clicks, some stuff doesn't. You don't know. So even if he does have something lined up, no one knows whether Superman Legacy is going to be a hit. I'm sorry. You think Superman is going to fail at the box office? It's done it before. Ooh, no, Nick Cage never made it to the box office. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, anyway. So, yeah, we'll see what happens, but I feel like that is decades away, if it even happens. All right. Let's move on to another big um, Disney-owned IP, uh, which had a big celebration this week, Star Wars. Yes, because in the UK, yesterday was 5-4. Yes, right. Not like, our May the 4th, their May no. the 4th. No, it's not even there, May the 4th. Yeah, it's like, yeah, the other way around. Yes. Day and date. 
Well, anyway, it's taking place at the Excel London Convention Center. Friday's activities on the celebration stage began with Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy treating fans to an exclusive first look at the second and final season of Andor, which is currently in production, and wowed the crowd with a sneak peek at the series. The Acolyte, a new series, about a Jedi Wookiee that will stream exclusively on Disney Plus was shown in 2024, which stars Carrie Ann Moss and Margarita Leveva, and also, that's a great name, and is also currently in production. <laughs> I want a margarita now. They also showed a sneak peek of Skeleton Crew, starring Jude Law, as he guides the journey of four kids who make a mysterious discovery on their seemingly safe home planet, then get lost in a strange and dangerous galaxy. Skeleton Crew will stream exclusively on Disney Plus in 2023. You had something to say about Skeleton Crew? Hmm? Oh, no, just like all these first couple shows are Disney Plus right. shows. Yes. Including uh, also. Yeah. So we have, um, yeah, so Andor Season 2, yes. The Acolyte, uh, Skeleton Crew, and then this new one, well, that one that we knew, Ahsoka. Yes. Yes, uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni announced Ahsoka, starring Rosaria Dawson in the title role, will premiere. Uh, title role, sorry, will premiere on Disney Plus in August 2023. Now that's a film, though, series, right? That is a series. Oh, that is also a series. That's also a series. Okay. Um, that is uh, following Rosario Dawson's appearance as Ahsoka in Mandalorian season two. Right. And then came the films. The event ended with Kennedy revealing three new movies. Yes. The first by James Mangold, who directed Logan, mm -hmm. about the first Jedi to wield the Force. Then the second by, hey, didn't, didn't we just talk about this last week? Dave Filoni about the escalating war between the Imperial Remnant and the fledgling New Republic. And then lastly, a film by director Charmin Obaid Chinoy, who uh, was responsible for the series Miss Marvel. Mm -hmm about rebuilding the new Jedi Order, and with Daisy Ridley set to return as Rey. Yes. So that, that was, was the big exciting that was the biggest, news. the biggest news, I think, is having Rey's character come back. Um, otherwise, yeah, some exciting projects that may or may not get canceled two years later. Yes. <laughs> Notice that um, mostly absent from this announcement right. was Taika Waititi's. Or Ryan Johnson. Well, we already talked about yeah. Ryan Johnson. Stuff was being delayed. <laughs> right. As well as Kevin Feige's thing was being delayed. <laughs> yes. And um, the Rogue Squadron mm -hmm. uh, from Patty Jenkins was officially canceled. Right. So a lot of... So this is what took place of those three projects. Yes. So yeah, but uh, I think that another good thing here is, yeah, congratulations to Dave Filoni getting another upgrade. And congratulations <laughs> to Daisy Ridley for coming back. Yes, hey. So yeah, anything else in the Star Wars celebration we should mention? That was pretty much the biggest stuff. That was the biggest thing. Um, depending on which kind of discourse you were looking at, you're either very happy or very upset that Daisy Ridley was back. <laughs> I mean, she did a good job in those movies. She did the best with what she was handed. I really liked her in um, Last Jedi. Well, no, Jedi. it's not that. It's that if Daisy Ridley is going to be leading the new Jedi Academy, okay, people are are upset. It's like. Why didn't Luke Skywalker just do that? Well, because he's not... He he, he didn't survive, right? Well, no, because he tried and he <laughs> failed. Well, that too. Yeah. But, they're, they're forgetting that he literally tried yeah. and literally failed <laughs> because he couldn't overcome yeah. like the, uh, the his own hubris. Isn't that, that the whole plot of him in the new trilogy is that he has to face his past and all the shit? That, that he, he, that he was unable yeah. to live up to the exactly. legacy of... Being Luke Skywalker, right, and that doesn't mean again we're criticizing fans who like again who like don't understand always, the, the... don't understand dr dramatic <laughs> yes. like arcs for characters. 
But literally, there's opportunity here where Daisy Ridley could also have challenges. It's not like she's going to go in and be awesome at it. We don't know that for sure. But we, one thing we could probably uh, <laughs> confirm, one of her students, probably be Lil Grogu. Uh, because, of course. Because everything has to come together. Yes, everything has to connect. Yeah, well, anyway. And we know that um, <laughs> that he will, he will at least live to be 700 years old. So uh, this is taking place 15 years after Rise of Skywalker. Okay. Or yeah, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he should be have a voice, probably? Maybe? Maybe. <laughs> Hopefully. Is it just Frank Oz? I hope it is. <laughs> That'd be great. Let's do it. All right, anyway. Enough about Star Wars. Anything else in movie news before we wrap up? Uh, there's a bunch of new trailers released. Uh, Barbie trailer. Yeah, Barbie trailer. Was released. Huge uh, rifts this week. Yes. Uh, it's also, okay. Yeah. It's okay. Also, I didn't realize uh, the, it's a Lego movie scenario happening. Where they're in their Humans universe. and there's toys. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the first trailer for Blue Beetle. Was sure. released uh, for DC's upcoming um, <laughs> film. Sure, it's definitely a superhero movie. <laughs> <laughs> yep, they still make those. Yeah, turns out. And then uh, the new trailer uh, for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny yeah. was released. Yeah, uh, that thing looks like it definitely got reworked between trailers. Oh yeah, they're working on that thing. Yep, <laughs> we'll see how it works out for them. All right. Let's move on out of movie news then. And hey, we watched a movie. So yes. for the last uh, couple minutes we have, uh, let's talk about it. So uh, last week we talked about the release of Tetris. Yeah, Tetris. The movie, not the game. Right. But about the game. Well, sort of. So. It's a, so this podcast, we've been talking, uh, kind of dropping hints about the legal trouble about right. who owns stuff, how to get contracts, how to get out of contracts. Yeah. Pricing, all that stuff. So one of the most infamous stories in the video game world about ownership and struggles to figure out who owns what and rights and international rights and all that stuff. One of the most infamous stories, of course, is the story of Tetris. In my opinion, the best video game of all time. I mean, we did do a we did. bracket where we said, outside of individual uh, franchises, Tetris yeah. is the best video game of all time. We did that. So yeah, um... The story of Tetris is an interesting one. I'm, I, like, it always has been. Um, it was created in the USSR uh, by someone who could not actually own it because of the way that the government was run at the time. And so rights had to be discussed basically with that company that he worked for and not him. He was like partial to some of the discussions, but he could not necessarily make money off of it at the time, and nor could he hand over the rights himself. He didn't own it. The government did in a lot of ways. And so Tetris, the film, is a slightly fictionalized but mostly based on real events uh, telling of the story of both the creation, the ownership of, of Tetris, and more specifically, the negotiation of the rights to distribute Tetris internationally by Hank Rogers, a... Um, American slash, what is he, what is he, a Tur a Turkish, no, not Turkish, Dutch, uh, Dutch. yes, Dutch, uh, an individual who uh, was known for kind of being a, uh, a bis an interesting, eccentric businessman who had a lot of, a lot of uh, feet in a lot of different countries, a lot of different businesses, and a lot, and of, different and a lot of pots, yeah, so 
the movie opens with him uh, uh, working for a developer called Bulletproof Software, a real developer who did actually make NES games at the time. Um, and yeah, he encounters at CES uh, 1988, <laughs> encounters Tetris, a, a version of Tetris distributed, not distributed at the time, basically being demoed uh, for a potential distributor. And that's what happens at these, or what happened, I guess you would say, at these uh, trade shows predating E3 mm-hmm. by years. Um, where you would show a game that has yet to be have international distribution, be like, hey, do you want to distribute our game? But the thing is, as the movie later discovers, and Hank Rogers also later discovers, that wasn't even supposed to be there. They didn't have the right to distribute that at that, at that show floor. And, and the rest of the movie is about the adventure of going back and forth between countries, negotiating with Nintendo and Japan, negotiating with the USSR government, getting in trouble with the government... Um, and what and the many trials and tribulations it took to get Tetris on Game Boy in the United States. So a lot of what goes on in the movie, and a lot of what I really liked about it, mm. is the legal doctrines, but simplified so that everyone can understand it, but also it moves at such a fast pace mm. that it's like, yes, we need you to understand this because when you move on to what actually it means... Yeah, a lot of the uh, contract negotiations. There's definitely the scene where the Russian uh, president um, for El El Gore Elrog was running back and forth between rooms. I doubt that actually happened, but it's a great (laughs) visual of like like, picking up phones and like trying to like coordinate talks. So, how much of the story did you know going into this? Mm, uh, About fifty percent, I would say. A lot of it seemed was like okay. I don't know the actual players, but I've but I've read stories of like this happening and this happening, and like trying to get like specific publishing rights and why they had to rename or redefine what a video (laughs) game is compared to what a computer is. So I recommend wholeheartedly a book called Game Over. It's a video game history book that's mostly about Nintendo, but does have a chapter about the um, about the Tetris uh, situation and what really went down. I read this a few years back, and it so I basically knew coming into this most of what what happened in real life, and that's the interesting thing about this movie. So obviously, it's a movie, and they take a lot to, of liberties and play up dramatic effects. You have to make it a little bit more dramatic. Not to say that this stuff didn't happen, because largely this stuff did happen, but they do take liberties in some of the more like extreme. <laughs> it's just. Parts of the movie, there was no car chases. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure there were no like. I don't think that anybody got beat up by government thugs <laughs> as much as we'd love to believe that was true. And they've done interviews with Hank Rogers, who, by the way, him and Tetris creator Alexei Fedjitnov are still alive and still doing interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, and they both basically said in the week up, uh, moving up to this release, which was basically like, yeah, no, we knew that they were going to dramatize our experiences, and we said that was okay. We're like, we know what, well, you have to make movies, and we didn't have a problem with it. So at least they were game. No pun intended. Pun intended. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, but some of the stuff, I feel like some of the dramatizations work. I think that overall, once, once you get into Act 2, I do think that that pacing really speeds up, and you have mm-hmm. a really interesting uh, gripping kind of back and forth. I think Act 1's not super strong for me. I think it started one, a little wobbly. Act 1's it starts wildly because it needs to set up all the different players yeah. and it kind of bounces you around. And but it, it does yeah. so in a, quite a quick succession, though. Yeah, and then Act 3 I thought was just kind of silly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, 
again, and really, I think your enjoyment of this movie will depend on how much of this is a, wow, I didn't know that happened moment you have with it. For me, I didn't have that at all, basically. And so maybe me going into it is not exactly everybody's experience. I am curious about what somebody with zero knowledge uh, would think about it. Because there are moments where, like, okay, yeah, this is a gripping thriller. I can see why they sold this on that idea. Mm-hmm. But it's not a, there are things about it that I didn't love. Uh, one, The number one thing is you don't need the pixel art video game shit all over, smeared all over it. You don't. The level one, level two, level three. Yeah, you don't need those framing devices. You don't need uh, the pixelization of when something happens, like when the cars run into other cars. Oh, at the end? It's I thought that was dumb. Yeah. I get why they do it, because to the average viewer, it's like, hey, video games! Yes. This is what we do when we're talking about video games. You need to see pixels. No, you don't. We're to the point now, I think, that you can just tell a story about video games and have it just be as interesting as, you know, something like The Big Short, you know? I don't know. We're just getting into the world of where video games themselves can make interesting movies. In fact, I I mentioned The Big Short, and uh, that actually brings up, so I watched this with Christy, and Christy's first comment after watching 10 minutes of it was like, wow, they really love Adam McKay, don't they? (laughs) Because that first act, it kind of goes away as the movie goes on, but that first act is very... (laughs) uses the Adam McKay style of little brief interstitials to remind you of the context of what's happening. Yeah. Like, oh, here's a video game version of this place. And like, it's, again, we don't need it anymore. I feel like this was made 10 years ago? Maybe. But no, in 2023, you can do a straight adaptation of this without having to be goofy about it. In my opinion. It wasn't too... Okay, maybe yes, it did get it kind too of goofy. goofy in very certain areas. <laughs> also, speaking of goofy, the other thing I wanted to point out Taron Edgerton's really, really chewing some scenery here. <laughs> like, he's going for it. Hank Rogers is an interesting character, and I get why you'd want to <clears throat> lean towards the eccentricities of him, but he's a weirdo in this film, and it's just like, I feel like the norm- the guy's more normal <laughs> than this. I just didn't buy it. I didn't really buy it. But the fun part for me was seeing all these ca- people, real-life people that I know just from reading and, like, seeing pictures of it of, of them in real life. Like, former owner of the Seattle Mariners, Howard Lincoln, is all over this. I <laughs> yes. love I love his this depiction in this film, especially the, the line where he says to, that, he, that he hates, he fucking hates Atari. Mm-hmm. So good. I don't think that he ever said that in real <laughs> life, but it's wonderful imagining that he did. Uh, and then the Nintendo uh, players here outside of him, like seeing a um, fictional Hiroshi Yam- Yamauchi being way nicer than apparently real <laughs> Hiroshi Yamauchi was in real life. He was apparently a huge asshole when he ran Nintendo. And then, um, yeah, it was neat uh, to see that kind of in the background. Be like, oh yeah, I recognize these people from real life. It's cool to see fictional depictions of them. But again... Just for me, because most people are not going to know who they are. But, right. But yeah, it's a neat idea, and I think some of it works. But it was a little distracting for me a lot of the time with how goofy it you got You didn't like the goofy, hand-up, over-dramatic... No, like, not really. Uh, it didn't sell it for me. I think there is an, a more interesting version of this story that maybe could have existed. But we just aren't there yet, I guess. And... They're not ready. A studio this big, I guess, is not ready to commit to a serious movie about something like this. And it's sad. It's sad to me that we're not there yet, but I feel like we're getting closer. And this is the closest we've gotten. I think uh, for someone who 
I only had like a passing knowledge of it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it was very gripping. Yes, like I've been saying, like it's very over the top sure. at times, mm-hmm. but that helps sell the gripping and at times very over the top desire for Tetris. Yeah, I mean it is a fascinating story. Period, and I think that if anybody comes out of this. At least it's a fun story to know about that happened, largely, uh, largely happened, mm-hmm. and the way that it's depicted. So, uh, yeah. And it made me want to play more Tetris. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. Tetris is a good game. Tetris is the, the best game. The day, Tetris is the best game. Yes. Anyway, so that's Tetris. Uh, maybe next week we'll talk about another video game, Aubrey? Probably. I might have we'll more time. We'll see if we talk about Mario. Because uh, Mario is out. But we'll have, mixed reviews. Yes. Um, it's like almost like so everybody's finally realizing after they saw it, oh, right, it's an Illumination movie. Yes. It's like, yeah, I could have told you that. I told people. you that. It was Illumination. Yeah, anyway. Anyways, we'll talk about that next possibly week. next week. In the meantime, though, thank you for joining us here at the Media Boat Podcast for this wonderful episode. We'll be back next week for another live episode, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, if you want to see video versions of our show, you can go to YouTube, search Media Boat Podcast, and find our channel. Like, subscribe, click the bell for notifications. Ding dong. You can also find us in audio form on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Type in Media Boat Podcast and you'll find our feed. You can also find us on social media networks like Twitter, where we're at Media Boat Cast. Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast to find our page. You can also email us if you have questions, comments, things you want to have us talk about, whatever you want to do. Uh, email us and we'll read your email on the air. That's MediaBoatPodcast at gmail.com. We'll be on Twitch.tv, streaming video games every once in a while. You can see archive of me playing Resident Evil uh, 4 this week. You can also find in the future, you're going to jump on some PGA Tour. So. Yep. Um, depending on when that comes, I'll yep. either have play some God of War New Game Plus yep. or we'll see someone awesome on the Corn Fairy Tour. Woo! Someone awesome. So, Making yeah. his way through Corn Fairy, trying to get to the PGA. And you can always check out MediaBoatPodcast.com for an archive of all our writing and previous episodes. So, with all that said, we'll see you guys next week for another episode. Yep. We'll be back next week with more news, more thoughts, more of us. Yes. Bye-bye. All right, bye.